0: I'm Helen Rebello, welcome to The Turning Point Project. I believe that when you face a big transitional moment in life, you have to learn how to transcend your fears and honour the process, even if it gets messy in the middle. In this project, inspiring conscious creatives and entrepreneurs share their stories about how they used a turning point to move from a life that didn't fully fit, to living in a more intentional way despite the messy bits. May these stories inspire you to trust your turning points and take a step forwards through your messy bits towards your more magical life. In this final episode of Season 1 of The Turning Point Project, the tables are turned on me as my lovely friend Jenny Kovacs from Episode 5 interviews me about why I did this project. Um, She gets me to talk about a big turning point I've never shared before and she also invites me to talk about the whole ethos behind my work, why I do what I do and what drives me in the world. Thank you so much for listening. If you are new to the podcast, Please enjoy this opportunity while we'll have a break to catch up on some of the episodes you might have missed. And if you've been listening to each one, thank you for your presence. I'd love to know which episode really sticks in your heart. And please reach out to me anytime. Best place is on Instagram where I'm at Helen Rabello Author. And we will see you again for season two in January. And if you want to know when, then head over to my website, HelenRobello.com. Make sure you're signed up for the newsletters and they will be back again very, very soon. And that's when you'll get to know what's happening
1: when. So enjoy. Today, we have, I think, a treat, an absolute treat for you because today... Is the turn of the lovely Helen Ribello, who I nickname the Queen of Mellow, because she has got such a cool vibe to her. She's got this calming energy and presence on whoever she speaks to, and she can have you in a state of the fit of the giggles too. So today is her turn to be um, to be interviewed, and I'm so honoured to be the one interviewing you because. know you've got so many juicy gems to share. So I'm going to go straight into my questions if I may Helen and just start by asking you about the turning point. If people have had their head under a rock for the last few months and don't know about the turning point, what would you say it's about? That is a
0: very perfect question. Thank you for that. <laughs> and also, thank you for for turning the tables on me in the Turning Point Project and agreeing <laughs> to interview me. Cool. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. So, um, the Turning Point. The reason I wanted to do um, a Turning Point Project is because over the years, I have had so many women say to me that they, you know, when... When they, people, we all have been in that place where you get into the middle of a shift of some sort in your life, or mm. you kind of get that instinct that something has to change, you know, or that inner niggle mm. that's kind of going, mm, you're gonna, you, you know, you've got to shift, but you get really scared. Mm. And I've just spoken to so many women over the years that are in that place and they, they're like paralyzed by this sense of um, fear about making a decision and moving forwards or they, um, they feel like there's something wrong that they've reached this place mm. because they've somehow managed to get this far without it don't know how that's happened, but (laughs) hey-ho, you know. Or alternatively, the other thing is they will say to me, and you might have heard this as well, particularly with um, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, people doing online stuff, they'll say, oh, I don't, I haven't really had any big turning points or big transitions. I don't, I don't, and because of that, I don't really feel like I've got anything to offer or say or share, Mm. and so, There's just all this myth stuff around turning points. And um, for me, I mean, like I've had a gazillion turning points, so Mm. I'm very familiar with them. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It takes me a while to learn lessons, but I also pivot quite a lot. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, and it's... I actually didn't know that's what I would be calling this. And then I, I've had this instinct to do this pop-up podcast ever since I started writing my book, um, The Magical Unfolding, if anyone has been living under a rock around that as well. <laughs> and um, and I didn't know what it was going to be. And then I got some help from a lovely lady called Ellie Tria. And she she and I chatted about this thing th- this thing this point people get to and how often it comes up and then the fact that I've kind of written about it in my book as being Mm. um on the precipice of possibility and Mm. then you cross over the bridge and this magical process happens that takes you onto the other side of the bridge which is where that's like the magical place where where life has more meaning and purpose and is more fulfilling um Mm. and yeah and she said well that's I guess that's about turning points and I just said oh my god yes Yes.
1: it is
0: (laughs) (laughs) and once I'd heard that there was no unhearing it
1: yeah
0: and so you kind of
1: love it when that happens and almost don't like it when that happens because you're like I've been racking my brains for what this is and you've just nailed it in a word. yeah (laughs) yeah just like that (laughs) just the
0: power of someone else's viewpoint
1: Mm. so I mean that leads me on to the next question really about turning points what would you say well this is a big question to ask what would you say is the most significant turning point you know it's natural for us in life to have a big hairy turning point or lots of you know various sized and different experiences what are some of the most memorable ones that you've had that kind of brought about this and the book and everything else yes
0: that is a big question but I can answer it and Mm. I and I really didn't pre-think this through because I've had so many it's like how the hell would I choose but actually Mm. when I think about it um, I would say the biggest turning point in terms of me um, stepping into ownership of where i am now and mm-hmm. kind of claiming claiming my right to really go down a pathway that follows my heart and mm. where i'm just doing the things i want to do and not worrying really about what anyone else thinks about it that happened when i had my hysterectomy
1: mm.
0: when i was 42 which is of course the answer to the universe mm-hmm. <laughs> magical of age <laughs> of course, of course. And it's Hiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, so it was yeah. 42. Um, And what, of course, I didn't know that necessarily at the time, but what I realised retrospectively is that it set me free from a decade of wanting and failing to have kids. Mm, and that's and I, a
1: biggie. I was gonna yeah. ask if you're comfortable to go into like as many details as you feel comfortable going into the events leading up to that point, what was life like for you at that time? Where where is your head at? Where is your soul at? What was life like before that moment?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I in that decade up to that point it was an interesting one so I met my I met my other half when I was 30 and we mm. was I won't I won't go into the whole details but just to, just to give you an overview we met at 30 we were set up on a blind date mm. love at first sight oh. I, the man that i I knew would come into my life one day was suddenly there and for the first time in my life I had this this beautiful soul that totally saw me Mm -hmm. totally got me wouldn't let me get away with messing about and being Mm. silly as I was wont to do to try and destroy things so I wouldn't get hurt all of that jazz Mm. um he's and he he basically taught me what an equal relationship was like and and we we helped each other become better versions of ourselves so Mm -hmm. so I'm sharing that to say that that aspect of my life was just perfect I was Mm. you know happy in this fulfilling relationship we got married two years later but when we got first got together I actually said to him uh, there's something really important we have to talk about and that is that I actually at the time didn't want kids Mm. and we had this huge discussion within weeks of meeting where he Mm. said he did and I said I didn't and we just decided to go with it anyway and see Mm. what happened and then i think about two years later just around the time we got married this urge to have kids kicked in big and Mm -hmm. strong and i was working um as a sonographer by this point so in obstetrics and gynae doing Mm -hmm. scanning every day um and i can't remember the exact timing whether i think it was maybe a year after we got married i We'd been trying to get pregnant and I got pregnant um, and I, I miscarried pretty early on about after about six, seven weeks, of course, because I was a sonographer. I knew what was happening. Um, I knew I was pregnant pretty early on because you can scan yourself as a sonographer. Mm. Um, and and it, had been, it had been a journey to get there. But Mm -hmm. not one I necessarily thought was hugely significant at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe because I just hadn't really always wanted to have kids. It seemed, it seemed, it didn't seem as serious Mm -hmm. until I miscarried. And then, then I was devastated because suddenly Mm -hmm. I realized how much I actually wanted this thing to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, I think maybe it was a, it was either a year or two years later. I got pregnant again, ended up miscarrying at the same stage, and um, it was an, it was April again. Mm. And great, my favorite month has now been completely messed up with miscarriages. <laughs> Thanks, universe. Mm. <laughs> and I'm making light of it, but obviously, this no, I, I completely, completely get after that. the event. Um, mm. But somehow second time round, I actually handled it relatively well Mm. in terms of my ability to process it. Because I guess by then maybe I'd started to, well, I knew I had definitely had gone a lot further down the spiritual path. Um, By this time, I think I was just about beginning to, um, I think I was putting into place my plans to escape Mm. from the nhs i'd woken up to the fact i wasn't happy in my work um for lots of reasons which i won't Mm. go into otherwise we'll be here forever (laughs) (laughs) there in the book um and i'd started training in shiatsu so i'd started learning a lot more about the the links between the the mind and the body and mm. soul and all the rest of it. And I think like I'd always been quite interested in that, but this was deepening my knowledge quite a lot. And I was beginning to have a bigger worldview. And mm. I would think I was already starting to lean into trust by this stage that mm. things would work themselves out. Um and then and then we we tried again as you do and it became apparent that it was not really happening. Um, Mm. and, and because I was a sonographer still, I knew that I had some fibroids
1: Mm.
0: and I, I knew that that might be part of the problem. So Mm. I ended up having a myomectomy, which is quite big abdominal surgery to remove them Mm -hmm. in the hope that that would free things up a little bit. Mm. Um, and we kept trying and nothing was happening and then i started going down the investigations route and i ended up having a gazillion gynae ops (laughs) maybe not quite a lot to remove polyps to remove this to remove that like it turns out i was really good at growing things but not the things i wanted to grow Mm. Um, and then we ended up deciding to have ivf Mm -hmm. which i was really torn about because i was really anti intervention and I didn't want to go down that route but someone said to me would you regret it in 10 years time if you didn't
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and I thought oh my god because she'd got pregnant through IVF and mm-hmm. um, I thought mm, I can't say that I wouldn't so I guess knowing what I know I probably ought to go down this route and funnily enough I was working as um by this stage I was locoming to fund mm-hmm. my uh, shiatsu training so I was locuming um, at St. Thomas's Hospital and I was oh. the main sonographer in mm-hmm. Guy's fertility clinic I was the watching the nurses to scan so mm-hmm. you know I was like I was working in the field of fertility I was learning about it in Shiatsu as well learning mm. about all the energetics around it I so I I knew every angle I could approach it with I knew how to um, approach it holistically. I knew how to work with diet. I was kind of addressing all the stuff around it, energy stuff, mood stuff, mm. uh, old traumas, you name it. I was mm. working with it, getting every bit of support I could. Um, but yeah, in the end, we, we got our IVF appointment. Uh, <laughs> and, and as the universe likes to play tricks, I think the day of our appointment on the day before I found out I
1: was pregnant again.
0: I've heard that that
1: story from a few women actually. Yeah, it happens Mm.
0: a lot. As a sonographer, I can confirm it happens a lot. And, Mm. um, and then we went to the appointment, told her everything got delayed. And, um, and then I ended up having an ectopic pregnancy. Oh gosh. I know (laughs) it was just bonkers. And then, um, And then I ended up going back on the thing for IVF, uh, got to egg retrieval day and, um, and they managed to retrieve the eggs and they said, we can't, we won't be able to put anything back in because you've now got polyps in the way. (laughs) So then, you know, they got these eggs out, did the, did the biz with them, froze them basically until I'd had an opt to remove these polyps. And by this time I'm thinking, Hmm somebody somewhere is trying to tell me something because we'd had so many stallings that were Mm. just getting quite farcical and quite silly which is kind of why I'm sharing them really Mm. and um and then I remembered that many 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 years ago I was I went to see this fortune teller in Ipswich who was renowned Mm. by everybody to be amazing I've got no clue who she was or what her name was but the one thing I remember her saying that came back through loud and clear at that point was um I remember asking her if I'd have children and um she said to me it hasn't been decided yet
1: oh interesting yeah um
0: and that that memory came through Mm. when I we, we got to this stage of the IVF and um, I mean obviously it was tumultuous and it was a lot you, I don't know if you ever fully get your head around it but no I don't think you can no I think there's just I don't know it's like there's a big part of you that can understand it and can make a piece of it but then there's this human part that still struggles with all the stuff around it mm. and I think This is a very long answer, isn't it? (laughs) I think um, ultimately leading up to that big epiphany point, I I really had found peace with many, many aspects of it. But what I was really struggling with was not ever being able to quite let go of the possibility that it might happen. Mm -hmm. And then I was really struggling with being the only one in my circle that didn't have kids apart yeah, from know. Gav mm. my other mm. half's sister Yvette who doesn't have kids but we're the only one we were the only ones
1: mm.
0: and 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 nobody gets it yeah and you know if you've been there as well it's like mm. you see your friends go through the same process a lot of them really struggled to have their kids mm. but they forget and then and then you you lose a bridge of understanding because they don't know they don't remember or know what it's like to be where you are. You don't know what it's like to have their life with all its demands and pressures, you know. And
1: mm.
0: yeah, it all gets a bit weird. So it, it was in many ways I'd made peace with it and so had Gav. Mm. Like we always knew it would be path A or path B. And that mm. Maybe this is partly where the turning point seed was sown, because yeah. we did make peace with path B, and and mm. we made it made it make sense in many ways. Mm. Because um, I worked like I was working with babies for a while with craniosacral therapy to help oh, them come gosh. into the world unencumbered, without stress, and that made a lot of sense. Gav was working with uh, kids with. Uh, visual issues that were kind of misdiagnosed or missed that were really struggling at school. So in our own way, we were,
1: we were helping kids. Um, that would have been like, for I don't know if anyone else listening to this, like really heard that or if they've been on any of the paths themselves, whether it's fertility or, you know, one of my friends said to me when I'd been trying for three years and she went, Oh, three months has gone by and I can't get pregnant, <laughs> you know? if anyone's had any kind of um, thought about listening to what you've just said, working with children, I I think there would be points of that that were actually a lot harder than it seemed.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely.
1: For both of you, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah it's weird you know sometimes sometimes I just think what the hell was I doing because I'm sure you've done this as well you know where you you start to you start to work with people or you start to naturally attract people that are either where kind of where you're coming out of or they're where you've been Mm
1: -hmm. and I started
0: to get all these people coming to to work with me that were having fertility problems mm. and and for some reason I'd been I chosen to spend I did extra specialist training in my shiatsu stuff to work with oh. women in pregnancy and childbirth and mm-hmm. fertility issues and all sorts and it was only I don't know 4 years later I suddenly thought what the hell am I doing this is like <laughs> wearing sackcloth and bloody ashes you know it's like, yeah why yeah. am I doing this to myself? Mm.
1: Like,
0: it was, I think it broke my heart to see other women in that place trying to yeah. get pregnant. Mm. And then I would genuinely be delighted for them when they did get pregnant. Mm. But it still came with that sense of, oh, another, another one, why can't
1: yeah. I do this? Could have been me type of feeling. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. can I do this
0: for everyone else, but not for me? And there's mm-hmm. that sense of failure as well. Like, you know, I'm a, shiatsu practitioner and a cranial person and i'm supposed to know how to do all that i'm supposed to it's all that i'm
1: supposed to i should know yeah. about my um a whole cluster of turning points within a turning <laughs> yeah. point, <you> know. <laughs> yes mm. no thank you for sharing that because i think it will give people that are listening to this they would have heard others other interviews as well and this is kind of your interview series Um, And I think hearing this story and why turning points are are so like ingrained in you. And so, you know, you're, I want to say you're fascinated by them, but there's more than that. Why are you the person to be having this conversation? You know, you've had the baptism of fire almost in that as well. Um, And also in your book, you know, and by the way, where can people get hold of your book? They want to read more.
0: Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> um my I actually have a dedicated book page on my website, mm-hmm. um which is on my website helenrobello.com and then forward slash book. So mm-hmm. you can there are links on there to buy it from all the Amazons. Mm. And um and then I actually have a few copies here. So so I always say to people in the UK if they want signed personalized copies um they can message me directly excellent and then i can sort that out for them i actually love doing that i've done oh. that quite a bit in the last couple of weeks
1: yeah excellent oh that's good to know so all the amazons um and also if they want a personalized signed copy even if you're outside the uk listening to this why not you know there's a good <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, you might possible.
0: you might just have to pay extra for the postage because I've made that mistake before and it cost me about a gazillion pounds to yes. say. I yeah,
1: mean it's gazillion
0: yeah. today if you notice that. Yeah. yeah. So, Gazillion's my favorite word in Australia
1: <laughs> and that'll be an extra 25. What? <laughs> yes. Yep, been there and done that. But totally worth it too, you know. Yeah, totally
0: yeah, worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, cuz I, you know, I got books back of books back i got pictures back of that book um, on an australian beach which was pretty cool
1: now that's a good idea so if you already have the book and you are either somewhere else in the uk or in the world you're going on holiday take the book let's see how far this travels yes Take take a photo of it and send it to helen via the website or even on her facebook page a, a picture of you holding the book under the Taj Mahal or you know, yeah, the Great of China or, you know <laughs> that's an idea so yeah definitely do it
0: <laughs> yeah definitely I've got I have got a collection I've got some from Dubai at the moment some from nice. Wales some from Ireland yeah Australia mm. um, Canada as well
1: cool yeah I think that's a really cool idea so sorry I got a bit carried away there but it, you know <laughs> If you're able to, do it. <laughs> so going back to the story that you've just shared with us, thank you for sharing that. Um, it was a compelling story to listen to. I, I didn't even feel like I wanted to like, interrupt or ask more questions because it, was, it really paints a picture of a true turning point. And, mm. and I think the significance is the stuff that happens up to and leading to that point. And you say, you know, you've both made peace with it. And like, where, where are you now with that?
0: I've, I have genuinely made complete peace with it now. Mm. Um, you know, having, having the hysterectomy was, it it set me free, you Mm. know, because as much as I probably felt like I'd healed from it and let it go about four years before that because I was 42 when I had hysterectomy. um I I realized that I wasn't really because I still had to deal with all the emotions around having that but Mm. yeah what after that you know what could have been something that's sent me diving deep into doom and gloom it actually didn't. It's, I'm not going to say it was easy coming out mm-hmm. the other side and and navigating the pathway through all the emotions that came up at the time. It wasn't an easy process, but I knew it wouldn't be. And so I had a lot of support. I asked for help and I kind of rallied the troops beforehand. And, mm. and then, yeah, it's almost like people talk about ener- energetically cutting cords mm. and there is definitely something around that and for me having that that physical removal cut the energy cords cut the emotional cords to some extent and it just brought me to a place of of real peace and acceptance around it especially because I then went off to the Sri Lankan jungle like 11 weeks later on a yoga retreat Mm -hmm. and and that helped me do probably months worth of healing in the space of 10 days, held yeah. held in a really safe space by by Soul Sisters that really mm. supported me and with Gav there as well. And um mm. and then yeah, that's I had a massive, massive epiphany moment. So that's like two turning points in one. That was well, that's, where that's interesting. I
1: saw. Cause one of the things I wanted to say about that going and, and doing all of the yoga and stuff like that. And I, it's funny, i dipped in and out of yoga and funny enough, the yoga that I enjoyed the most was fertility yoga. I loved it so much that I actually wanted to pretend that I was still trying so I could continue going back to the classes. But what I wanted to say there was that um, last year I went on a yoga retreat doing two things that for me felt a bit bonkers, yoga and books. Like I don't consider myself an author like you and a writer and um, yoga is something that I dip in and out of, but it's, it's not um, a consistent practice for me. And I was, I found myself on this retreat going, what am I doing here? Like two things in the world that I am least consistent in and I'm here. Um, And the lady that ran it, she was talking about embodying your words and I really got that how yoga can help you not just embody the words that you might be writing in your journal or as an author but how you embody your life and and what's happening around you and and the things that you don't even know are about to happen around you it's it's really quite magical Mm. so um and it's interesting because in that story although it was about the turning point you've also talked about making peace with your past so just before we go further into that what tips would you give somebody that's watching this that's going or listening to this and going through something um, in terms of making peace with their past that's such a good question um
0: i think the simplest the simplest way that comes to me to 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 share right now and i usually trust what comes comes to me in the moment. I'd, I'd put this many ways, but today I'm going to share um, the analogy of the porridge pot bowl of energy, which I don't know mm. if I've shared with you before. No. But in Chinese medicine, um, which is one of the things I've trained in with Shiatsu, there's this great analogy that I've always loved. And basically, it's like you, you wake up every single day and your your energy is rebooted and recalibrated and rejuvenated overnight hopefully Mm. if you've slept fairly well and then you wake up in the morning with like a porridge pot of energy
1: Mm.
0: and everything you do during the day has a a value like certain amount of spoonfuls of energy Mm. that are taken out of your porridge pot of energy every single day and um And so you can use up your porridge pot of energy really quickly or you can use it up really slowly. But essentially, once your porridge pot is empty, it's like you're done for the day. You know those days where you hit three o'clock and you're just done and you need to lie down? Mm. That's because your porridge pot is empty, essentially. Mm. Um, And so if you can start to think about every single thing you give your attention to or every single thing you do as having an energetic component to it Mm. that essentially takes away something from your porridge pot of energy. It starts to make you um, consider how much of that energy you want to give to things you can't change. Mm. And so if you are a lot of the time, like my past, there are elements of my past that are not easy. As mm-hmm. anyone that's read my book will know. And mm-hmm. there, you know, and I'm saying that not to go, Oh, poor me. I'm saying that because it's kind of easy. Sometimes people see you in a certain place in your life and they think, Oh, it's all right for you, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. because you've got to a certain point or whatever. Um, But actually I've had some things that I, you know, the most evolved person on earth might struggle to make peace with. And I've Mm. genuinely made peace with them. And it's because I started learning about this concept of energy. So Mm. I guess I offer that because I don't know where people listening to this might be. Mm. And sometimes a visual can be quite useful. I know that you would endorse that because you are the of being seen (laughs) and you like to share things in a really tangible way. But yeah, if you just imagine that ruminating or Mm. regretting or worrying, that is all using up your own energy. Mm. And it's using it in a way that takes away from your porridge pot. And that Mm. means there's less porridge in your porridge pot to give energy to things that fill you up and nourish you
1: Mm.
0: and and maybe that's a good place to start just start thinking about whether the things happening in your head are contributing in a
1: healthy way I think That's that's so beautiful because I think of some of my own turning points and they're like hefty like it feels like heavy lifting to wade through them um, and then things that are really, like on the face of it, they're quite insignificant. So as you were describing that, there were a few sort of things that I, that sprang to mind. And I thought, you know what, it's not that important. Like, I need to hurry up and I need to go to this place and do this and be back by that time because this has got to happen. And it's like, wow, that's like half of my porridge pot gone. Yes. You know what, forget it. Just forget it. You know, <laughs> I don't need it. Does that mean in the same vein that sometimes you can do something, an activity that fills, like refills your porridge pot.
0: Yeah, so basically, um, f- in that philosophy, which I've adapted into my life because it just makes sense to my brain mm. um, and because I found it to be true, um, you have like a- an essential amount of energy you're born with, um, which uh, declines as you get older. And then that can be supplemented by the quality of the air you breathe and the way you breathe, Mm -hmm. the quality of the food you put into your body and you know how nourishing it is and the way that you live your life, the way that you spend your time, Mm. whether you're living in kind of real stressy adrenaline, using up your energy porridge pot mode, or whether you're living in a more peaceful way. Mm -hmm. Um, So so yeah you get this bowl of energy every morning but if you if you do practices that we use the word fill you up that make you yeah. just feel like oh my god that was so great like conversations like this I go away mm. and I feel full
1: yeah they absolutely. yeah they yeah. definitely add to it mm. I love that I really love that and I think that's that's a great metaphor and a great share for making peace with your past. Absolutely. Thank you. I love that. Um, okay, so, I guess, what what's next from that story? Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of that that goes on in our heads, and... If I was like, well, it's all right for you. Well, you did shiatsu training and, and you were able to supplement that training. I've got 600 kids and I, you know, a single parent, and I've got a gazillion things to do. See, gazillion's the word of the day. Um, so how would you help somebody to get out of their head and into their heart more? Because people say that a lot. But how would you do
0: it yeah 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 it's a great question and again Mm -hmm. um thinking of things as energy really really helps so Mm -hmm. and and I I just can't find a better way to describe things so that was the thing I fall back on because it's the Mm -hmm. thing that helped that made sense to me as someone that was trained in a western medical discipline my degrees Mm in medical imaging um radiography so um, essentially if you start to think that energy rises and that most people are walking around um, in a head that's really busy and really full up and full of stuff and can often feel cloudy and fuzzy and you know people talk about um, like their heads are too noisy and (laughs) it's just just they literally describe it as busy, 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 busy heads, if, yeah. and all your energy rises up, and then your shoulders tense up, and your neck tenses up, and your jaw tenses, tenses up. Mm. It's like that energy has nowhere to get to. Mm. And we are trained in the Western world to be very in our heads and to think our way through things. Mm. And we are kind of trained by external people, teachers, and you know, imparting information into us and everything is analytical and logical. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We we get untrained to listen to intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, So really to, again, to bridge, to create a bridge of understanding between how you get from that to being more in your heart and more able to listen to your intuition and more able to listen to yourself You can just think about it energetically and and remember that um, energy flows where your attention goes. Mm -hmm. So the minute you drop your awareness into something like your feet, for example maybe start thinking about how your feet feel in your shoes if you're wearing shoes if you like me and work from home you're always barefoot or in socks if you get
1: cold or in
0: socks yeah today i'm in (laughs) socks to be fair yeah (laughs) rarely wear shoes um but yeah if you if you drop your attention to somewhere else that helps you to start the practice of shifting your energy out of your head because what you'll Mm. notice is when you when you really shift your energy downwards, down into your feet or down into your legs or wherever it might be, which you can kind of do by putting your hands on your body, that helps mm. you. In that moment, you're not you're not conscious of what's happening in your head at mm. all. Mm. Because your attention is elsewhere. And it's like if you, you know, if you have a belly ache, all you can think about is your belly. Mm. You know, or if you if you have a sore throat, you think about your throat. Mm so your your attention literally does go where or your energy is where your attention goes and and so it's not a process that happens overnight but the more you get used to thinking about your your attention and your energy in that interrelated way and the more mm. you can practice dropping your awareness down out of this busy head you know the more you you be able to start listening and hearing things outside of your head because you're in it less. And and Mm. it's like everything brilliant about life and personal development. It's like a process, a continual process, a drip feed process. And one day you'll wake up 10 years later and you'll be like, wow, it's really easy to be mellow and peaceful. (laughs) You don't even think about it because you've just got so used to it as, it's
1: part of your being. It's interesting because I, um, I lulled my sense into a false sense of security that, you know, I've done the work. And for me, I never feel like you've done the work and that's it. I feel like you do the work and it gets easier. Um, so just quite recently there was an outage at Euston station. I was all ready to go and travel and I, it was so funny how in the moment I was able just to go, you know what, I live in London. Like, how can this be easy? I can just get out of the station for a start with people starting to get angsty it's only going to get worse it was packed so it's like you could feel everyone's energy pull women behind the counter and it's funny when these things happen how they like push the women at the front to sort everything out you know and you know it was just starting to really ramp up and I thought how can I make this easy so the first thing I can do is not get on the tube because the tube is going to be really busy. I can walk from Houston to St Pancras and then get the train home. So that was my plan. But of course, me being me, I did a Facebook Live to explain that to people. And it's funny because I think back 10 years ago, even like further back, I would have been the woman screaming at the person behind the desk. Mm-hmm. And I would have been justified, on I'm doing air quotes to have done that because people are like, well, that's, that's, disgusting that's an, you know a, a different situation and no you shouldn't be calm and it's like you can rally other people for the like to get on board your kind of badness you know <laughs> yeah. when all you've got to do is take a breath and, and step back so I was quite amazed at when I looked back at my reaction to that and it almost seemed like that kicked into automatic pilot but the only reason I was able to do that was because of the practice in between Am I going to say that I'm totally evolved and I don't, you know, do drop F bombs like everyone else and something blindsides me? No, I wish I could say I am enlightened. Let me show you how, (laughs) but it was just really interesting to me, the choices that I made and I made them in advance. All I had to do is follow the choices and just go and do them and and get out of my head to do it. So yes, that was, that was really interesting. Whereas, this my practice for me and this is why I love how um, you reinforce that message of getting out of your head and kind of into your body and into your heart and other places because it's still quite easy to make a split second decision to not do something and you know you can imagine especially in your fertility journey when you share with people I'm upset or I feel an, a strong emotion because this hasn't happened most people around you, if you don't have the right support around you, will rally you and say, oh, that's disgusting. I can't believe they did that. And before you know it, you're on some sort of downward spiral. Mm. So I think it's a really important message to to hear, you know, um, for, for anyone who is, like, whether they're running their own business, whether they are working corporately, whether they are on a spiritual path, whether they don't even know what spiritual path is, but know that they need something better for themselves. So... Is there any other part of the story that you think anyone else needs to share? Because I'm, I'm quite curious. My big meltdowns normally come around Easter. I know before we started the recording, we talked about this. Have you got any, any kind of nuggets that you want to share? Because I know that um, something is being birthed around magical life and inner circles. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yes, I'd love to actually. <laughs>
1: so it's
0: really interesting with all of these interviews or conversations really more than interviews. Mm -hmm. um, The people I've been honoured to talk to, including you, quite a few of you have had revelations about your turning points, either when you're thinking about chatting to me, thinking about the subject or, or even in the conversation or even after the conversation. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now I find myself having a revelation in the middle of our
1: conversation. <laughs> oh, and, do share? Yeah, <laughs> because,
0: well, I share? So I was thinking about, um, basically what I'm doing is I got to a point in my work where I realized that I, well, there's several things that I'm bringing together. So basically I reached a point where I wanted to take people on a continuing journey that I couldn't do just with one-to-one work that was more body work based or yoga based Mm. and I was when you train in Chinese medicine you train systemically and holistically and and you learn to diagnose and you and as as an empath as well I quite naturally can see what's going on with people Mm. Uh, you know not just by putting my hands on I can kind of read people the minute I see them I think you've got that skill as well and um and yet there's this feeling like you until someone sees something themselves you 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 can't shift it for them that's true mm. and um but what i do know is from my own experiences of having worked with coaches in the past and having um had it you know like been in like i say yoga retreats and things when when you work with someone else who can see your stuff that holds you to accountability, um, or gives you the space to process, you start, you do start to see those things much more rapidly than Mm -hmm. if they were just trying to share them and tell them to you. Um, and then, and then I've learned that if, if that happens within the space of a safe group, a safe circle, where everyone is on a similar journey, and they are all um working towards a similar end point mm. similar ethos, and they are equally invested in each other's growth mm. um, it's It's like your personal evolution is exponentially increased yet again um, so so i <laughs> so basically I want to create a circle that makes the books I shared the books that makes the concept I share in the book a lot mm. more tangible and a lot more powerful and I think for me the best way I want to do that is to bring a circle of women mm. together and possibly a few men as well mm. um, there'll be
1: some cool men that just are, to balance women it out. yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> definitely
0: I think that's, that's very, very important, actually. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really want to create a safe space, a community, a circle, um, a gathering of like-minded souls so that we can all explore together what it means to live more magically and meaningfully in a modern world. Mm. So that's what I'm doing, and I'm calling it the Magical Life Membership Circle, and that's... Mm. And I'm really I'm very excited about it because I want it to be like this safe, juicy, nourishing, gorgeous space, uh with lots of space in it that mm-hmm. with no shoulds. Uh it's actually gonna be content poor. So mm-hmm. there's not gonna be loads of content for people to consume. I've got it there if people want it, but I I think probably people just want to be gathering together. Um and then it's going to be mostly online, but if I can do in-person stuff as well, mm. I really want to. It just depends who comes in and where they live and what would make sense in terms of us all gathering in person. Mm. Um, yeah, and then the, and the, and the little insight I had in our conversation was really actually around around going to Sri Lanka after my hysterectomy to heal. Mm. I hadn't made that connection before, but. That was probably the, the biggest, one. Of, like I said, it was one of the biggest turning points, the biggest transitions I could have made where everything exponentially shifted mm. to a huge degree. And it was because I was held in a, a safe circle. I was held mm. in the arms of a gathering of women. I think that everyone was a woman apart from Gav. Mm. <laughs> He's a very, he's a very, he's a man in touch with his female side, bless him. (laughs) (laughs) He's there. Everyone loves Gav. But yeah. I love Gav.
1: I've met Gav as well. Yeah, he's lovely.
0: Um, Yeah. And I I just, I've realized as well over the years from from then uh, becoming a yoga teacher myself um, that I actually really love, I love holding space. I actually come into my own when I'm holding space and, and especially when I'm in person, but you know that's not always realistic for everybody. Um, mm. There's just something about group energy that I really love now. And I guess I probably wasn't ready to do that earlier, but now I'm definitely ready to do
1: that. I meet a lot of empaths who um, make, make a presumption because they need time by themselves to rejuvenate and re-energise that they aren't supposed to maybe work in people-centric things unless they're one-on-one yeah and and this is why i i nickname you the queen of mellow and um, not just because it rhymes with your name but because you really are it's like you bring you bring something like you you bring space to people so that they can think and they can be and um yeah it's it's, it's a very rare quality it's not something that i've seen a lot of people that are able to do so um and you do that whether it's a, on a, you know, cause I've met you in person. So whether it's a conversation, you know, I remember back without naming the conversation specifically, but you know, um, on, on one particular time when we were live and in the flesh and there was some kind of drama going on and how you were able to hold that, um, you know, and I've seen it of you online where, you know, how you do that online on your Instagram account, you know, and you're um, Helen the author on your Instagram.
0: Helen Rubello author.
1: Ellen Ribello author on Instagram um you know I've seen you do it in Facebook groups that I've been part of you go in there you do your thing and you come out and people are blessed with what you've left behind you know so you really do have a knack to be able to do that from all places so I'm quite excited that you're doing oh thank you yeah it's a, it's a great experience and for those people that are taking pictures of Helen's book you know on the beaches of Australia you can get involved because <laughs> it's like you don't have to get a flight over to do it so that's a bonus surely
0: <laughs> yeah that, I, that, that's why I want it. you know it's like I'd love to do loads of in-person stuff because it is a beautiful mm. thing to do but but you know a lot of, a lot of my people they are actually in Aust- Australia and Canada a lot of Gab's mm. relatives are in Canada and um mm. and they're beautiful people and they're on board with me for the ride as well and they want to get mm. involved in all this stuff and it's like i don't want to exclude them because they're beautiful
1: people mm. no, <laughs> so. it's absolutely absolutely so yeah. oh this has been so juicy and we could go on but we perhaps won't <laughs> maybe there'll <laughs> be a part two that comes up so yeah. um, have you got any parting words any final words that you want to tell people that are listening so just to recap out of all the brilliant stuff that you talked about, making peace with your past and you know, getting out of your head and more into your heart and your body. Um, and you talked obviously about your book. You talked about your own turning points and the Magical Life Mentorship Circle. What what would you like to leave the listener with?
0: I would say that I honestly believe that no matter what happens in life, no matter what twists and turns you're taken on, no matter how long stuff might take. Ultimately, I really believe that everything always works out, even if it doesn't make sense mm. at the time or until many, many years later. And mm. and, and there's always this gorgeous, breadcrumb trail that kind of is formed out of everything 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 that happens to us makes us who we are and it helps us really step into who we came here to be and i it's like mad and mental life isn't bonkers it's all it's all mad sometimes but mm. ultimately it sort of also makes sense and i i think it's a beautiful thing and i say I that as someone who been there once thought life was a real crap fest and didn't and wanted out yeah I love it I I I am so grateful for every day Mm,
1: I love that I love that what a perfect note to finish on thank you so much for allowing me to do this I'm so grateful to you thank you for the insights that you shared as well just phenomenal thank
0: you so much thank you thank you for offering you are an awesome interviewer and i'm really grateful to you too thank you
1: thank you bye (laughs) Bye.
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of the turning point project if you found this episode useful i'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast as it really makes a difference and will only take a moment if you'd like to continue the conversation or ask me any questions, come and connect with me over on Instagram at HelenRebelloAuthor or join the Free Magical Life Movement at HelenRebello.com. Have a gorgeous, gorgeous day and I'll catch you in the next episode.